1: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We are live from Soldier Field for our first Bears post-game show of the season. The Chicago Bears took down the Miami Dolphins by the final score of 20-13. to 13. And even though the final score doesn't matter, I believe it was fun to watch Justin Fields bring this team back from behind in his Chicago Bears debut. I'm Eric DeWitt. I'm joined right alongside my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. We're in uh, what, a statistics room here at Soldier Field? There's some chatter going on in the hallway, and the press is to our left, but this is fun. This is new. This is cool, but like you said, well, it's
2: fun.
0: Yeah, this is just like really awesome to be here, and it just feels so official, but at the same time, it's, it's pretty chill.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. We're kind of figuring it out on the fly. We had to wait until the press conferences were over. Uh, they were playing them over the PA system here. We thought we could have went live sooner, I'm glad we didn't though, because all the press kind of came back into the other room and that would have been a little bit awkward to get kicked out halfway through our recording. But guys, it's time to jump into our first post game of the show of the year and begin our opening drive. And for our opening drive, we're going to kick it off with my first monster moment of the season. I have two, Uh, the first one in terms of a momentous moment that was with 12-11 left in the second quarter when Justin Fields enters the game for the first time ever. As the Chicago Bears quarterback, fans were on their feet. They were cheering. Uh, it was an awesome experience to be here in person. But the, maybe the best and my favorite play of the entire game was Jesse James' 30-yard touchdown with about four minutes left in the third quarter. It gave the Bears the lead, the first of the game, and that was the third straight scoring drive that Justin Fields had for the Bears and the second straight drive that the Bears scored that started at least 70 yards or further from their end zone. And in a post-game, Jesse James was saying, Uh, They asked him, did you know you were open the whole time? He's like, oh, yeah. And he was wide open. And when I was watching that play personally, I was pointing to Nick, like how wide open he was. I couldn't help but stop myself just pointing right out the glass in front of us. There's no one within uh, 10 yards from him. So tremendous play designed by Nagy. Great patience by Justin Fields. In order to read that, recognize it, wait to deliver that football. And you knew there was nothing but time when you watched Jesse kind of trot backwards into the end zone. So that's going to be my first monster moment of the year. Nick, I'm going to go over to you for your segment that, as of right now, doesn't have a name. Previously, the Moriano Minute. Previously, Nick's knacker or Knock, And right now, eh, it's a no-name segment for Nick. Nick's no-name segment. There we go. There we go. And it could be anything. And so what I'll talk about is the the Spares offensive line,
2: where I thought it was going to be really the, the unit that held the offense back. But when you look at the, you know, just looking the, we're in the statistics, we're looking at the stats, none were, no sacks were given up for the Bears' offensive line, for Bears' quarterbacks. And I think for the most part, you saw that, hey, Andy Dalton had some time to throw. Justin Fields was able to stay in the pocket and look calm, cool, collective, and able to deliver some strikes. And obviously there were times he escaped the pocket. But I thought the offensive line, despite missing a bunch of key guys, played better. Than I thought they were going to, because I said, you know, in the preview podcast that, hey, this is going to be the unit that you'll see, that they're just not holding their end of the, the bargain. So I think they actually did a pretty decent job.
1: I think so too. The fact that they gave up zero sacks for the entire day, uh, I think it was a surprise for everybody watching this game. Let's go over to Mason uh, for another known name segment. Yet we need to talk about things a little bit more in advance, guys. But I want to say let's head over to the West Wing. And uh, let's get the breakdown from Mr. Mason. So go ahead, take it away.
0: I like it. You know, I would also add on to what Nick was saying. I, I think the game plan really was perfect here because it was a lot of quick passes. I would have liked to see them attack downfield just a little bit more, just because I, you know, want to see Justin Fields arm. But not just that, in theory, Andy Dalton's currently QB1. How, what is his deep ball going to look like? Now, you know, they didn't have all the weapons they wanted. Allen Robson wasn't playing. Darnell Mooney was limited in snaps. Marquise Goodwin wasn't out there. So you were missing a lot of your main playmakers. You're not going to take a lot of chances on that, and that's totally understandable. But what we do need to focus on also is what we saw on defense. And on that defensive side for those first couple of series, it looked really good. The amount of pressure that they were putting on the quarterback, you know, Tua didn't really look too comfortable. And, but at the same time, DBs could use a little bit of work. Some of those second-tier wide receivers were running a little bit too open.
1: They were, and we'll talk about the defense more in length in the third quarter of our show. Obviously, the Bears were without their two starting safeties. We'd love to get your input on how much of an impact that did have on some of that bend-but-don't-break that the Bears did display with those starters and second stringers out there, but before we do... We have to talk about this Bears offense, which brings us to the second quarter of this postgame show. And, guys, we got to start with the quarterbacks. Before we get to Justin Fields, let's talk about Andy Dalton. He finished 2 of 4, 18 yards. Uh, With that, you're only going to get a pass rating of 62.5. Nick, I want to go over to you first. Obviously, this was not the debut uh, that Andy Dalton needed. Uh, We talked about it in our preview show that with Justin Fields potentially having a big day, which he had, if Andy Dalton went out there and kind of struggled, that's just going to leave that door a little bit open for Fields to take over, and really for Bears fans in general, they're going to get just even a little bit more antsy to get Justin out there as the starter sooner rather than later. But just curious your take from Andy Dalton today. I know I have some notes here, but I want to go to you first.
2: Yeah, I think for Andy Dalton, he didn't do anything to hurt himself in terms of you know the limited amount of snaps that he had. I think it was really the guys, in whether it was a tight end Cole Komet or even Darnell Mooney not creating enough separation on those third down passes where... Hey, Andy Dalton put the ball where it should have been, but yet there was just really good coverage from the Dolphins DBs throughout this entire game and preseason, and also obviously in the training camp practices that they had. So I think it wasn't really what Dalton didn't do. I think that, you know, in the limited series, we weren't going to see much anyway, but it doesn't help if your guys are not creating separation. So it really wasn't to me like it was Dalton's fault. Obviously, seeing how Justin Fields played probably didn't make him feel. You know, he'd feel good that Justin Fields had a good day, but still inside. I bet you that doesn't feel good as well.
1: Yeah, uh, I get what you mean. I, uh, with Dalton, he didn't have Marquise Goodwin. Uh, he didn't have Alan Robinson out there. So two of his top three wide receivers were on the sideline. And Miami was playing a lot of that press man jamming at the line of scrimmage. And you said it. There was not a lot of separation. But Mason, I thought what I saw to Dalton that was maybe more evident once Justin took over was maybe he was rushing things a little bit in that pocket. It was clean, and he was maybe forcing some throws earlier in the progression instead of hanging back and waiting for some windows to open up.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You definitely saw that he took maybe the first read right away or he took that quick dump-off pass a little too often versus Justin probably got to maybe that second or third read a couple of times. And we can't take away the fact, I mean, the mobility difference is evident. There were just so many times where Justin Fields, you know, he had the pressure right in his face, able to roll to the side. Plus, they did seem to change the game plan a little bit, right? They moved the pocket for Justin Fields versus they said, hey, Andy, read, boom, boom, throw. But we did talk earlier, too. There were a couple of plays that were looked pretty similar, especially the slant routes. And the ball placement was pretty much the same between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. The problem was, as Nick had said, there just really wasn't separation, whether that was the Dolphins DBs playing really well today or just our tier two, three receivers not necessarily getting that gap that you need in order to make a play on a route as quick as a slant
1: right so that's really it at least does anyone else want to pitch in more of Andy Dalton or can we just stop that and move over to Justin Fields I'm ready to talk about Fields if you are
0: uh, Andy wore a really boring shirt during the press conferences. We did talk about that, too.
1: <laughs> very good point. Let's talk about Justin Field. So, Justin, he finished 14-20. That's 70% of his passes completed, one touchdown, and on the ground he added five rushes for 33 yards and another score. Again, I mentioned in my Monster Moment, he orchestrated three straight scoring drives, one to end the half, which is a field goal. Uh, that was a 40-second drive, and then they were able to achieve that two-for-one special, scoring in that very first drive of the third quarter. Which hey, going back to last year, that was a problem. So seeing that out of halftime, uh, to me was another tremendous uh you know sight here at Soldier Field. And I thought with Justin Fields. He just got better as the day went on. He looked more comfortable uh, with each and every rep. And I mentioned it with Andy Dalton, but Justin Fields just looked patient. He was able to work through his reads, go through that progression, and he never seemed rushed in the pocket. And something that we saw maybe out of Mitch, and I don't want to talk about him at all really in this podcast, but just doing a comparison, is that sometimes Mitch would just bail and run. And Justin seemed like he was really using it as a true last resort, but also as a weapon. Even in plays that he wasn't you know, purely scrambling, there's that one uh, over here on the sideline where he was rushing to his right, and there's a corner over on the receiver, and then he kind of creeped up to go towards Justin, and he noticed that, so he stopped and just floated one right over the DB's head for an easy completion and a first down. And those are some small nuances that kind of show Justin's threat, even with his legs, if he's not running the ball, what he can do in creating some separations for his own receivers, recognizing it, and executing. Mason, since you have the mic, I'll go to you. What are some of your high-level observations from Justin Fields in his Bears debut?
0: Like you said, it was just the ability to get better and one of the things that the bears keep talking about with him is right he won't make the same mistake twice and he stacks practices he stacks learning experiences and he did that within a game that's really hard to do Mm -hmm. right and like you said he runs to get open and he runs to make up throw he doesn't run for the sake of running. And he runs 4-4 speed. We saw that on the scramble touchdown he had. He could have been doing that all day long, but he knows the smarter thing to do is to still stay behind that line of scrimmage and get it to his playmakers. Now, I'm going to be really interested to see what he can do when he's not just throwing to the Lacy's and Adams of the world. What can he do when he's throwing to the Allen Robinsons and Darnell Mooney's of the world?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to assume only better things are to come. Nick, uh, when it comes to Justin Fields' day, what is one thing that stands out to you as a tremendous positive? And then if you had a look at the whole game as a, you know, an element for him, what's something that you want to see him work on from preseason game one over to preseason game two? I think the first thing that stood out was the comfortability in the pocket.
2: And that's what, with offensive linemen that would be second, third stringers on any other roster, and they just happen to be the starting unit for when he gets into the game. So I think that really stood out. But I really liked that, the touchdown run because he just didn't run. It was an eight-yard run for the touchdown in the left corner of the end zone. But he really surveyed the field to see, hey, can is there anybody to give him a chance? And even on the 21-yard run that he had, he waited to see if somebody got open first and then went and used his athleticism. But those things really stood out. But I think the thing that you know see you want to see him work on is the comfortability with the play clock too as well. Because he started off his debut with two false starts, mm-hmm. a third and eighteen that he was facing and whether that's on him or if it's not, um, the play clock, look, I, it was going to expire before, I think it was Javon Williams' fall started. So it, it, was, it was a bad situation to be in, but just recognizing, you know, game situation. Again, what's that play clock like? Being able to get out of the huddle efficiently. So then you give yourself time to not go through those mistakes and go through those unideal situations. But I think overall you're very pleased with what you saw from Justin Fields.
1: Oh, that speed, just watching it in person and from our vantage point – like that dude does not need much room in order to create that separation and reach the pylon, get to the corner and turn up field and there's few plays where, and he did that, and I was like, oh, can he?" And then he did, and i'm I'm just giddy uh, thinking about having a quarterback with that blazing speed and how he can continue to use that weapon throughout his NFL career. Mason, I want to go to you. Uh, if you had a grade at Justin Fields debut, what would you give it, and why?
0: I'm going to give it a B plus. The main thing for me that knocks it down is that fumble that he had. You know, ball security is huge. Uh, He didn't play a full game, obviously, but in the limited series he had, you can't have a mistake like that, especially where they were. If he had fumbled it where they were on their own end of the field and this was a regular season game, that could have been detrimental, right? Huge momentum swing. Um, He talked about it in the press conference how he's maybe retiring that spin move. I hope he doesn't. It would have been cool leading all the way up until that point. But, you know, we're just hoping that that is an aspect that can move forward. Everything else was great. He got better as he went along, and there's just so much room for improvement on those things. On the timing of it, be to give him an A would just be drinking the Kool Aid. Why not drink it? <laughs> I'm <laughs> sipping the Kool Aid right now. I think throughout the podcast, people have known I'm usually the chugger of the Kool Aid for the most part. But you know, I want to be a little more reserved on this as we're actually creeping towards the regular season and creeping towards the real possibility of Justin Fields being the starter.
1: Okay, I mean, that's fair. And again, there were some areas for improvement. As we all have already kind of mentioned here, I'm going to be right along with you. B-plus, whenever you have a turnover or an almost turnover, and I think what kind of worries me the most is jumping back on that football it's a preseason game I love to see it but not out of your quarterback not out of your future franchise guy uh, I still have the PTSD of you know Jay Cutler breaking his thumb after a turnover and uh, with Justin uh, I understand he's someone that wants to go back and make sure that they didn't lose that football he mentioned that post game how important it was on that play not to give over the ball again they would have had Miami the ball in the red zone but still out of your franchise guy you don't want to see it but outside of that uh, I talked about it in our preview show, how I want to see Justin Fields get better uh, by drive, by play, by series. And it it happened, and that's awesome. Like You already had that a little bit, Mason. I wanted to make sure uh, to reiterate just how tremendous that was to see uh, him and his progression, his ability to remain calm. And uh, what I love post-game is how he was – Trying to keep his teammates calm. Like, hey guys, let's just go back to practice and kind of go back to that mindset. We scored on them all week. We can do it now, even though they're, they didn't score until the final seconds of the very first half. And him instilling confidence in his teammates, him inspiring his guys and keeping their heads in the game. Again, this is a preseason game, but the Bears were down 13 0, and Justin Fields had three straight scoring drives to give him that 17 to 13 lead. And that's what the final score was. So I think that should not be underestimated or undervalued at all. And I talked about his ability to bounce back. Uh, another evidence of that. I saw, I said 14 of 20 today. I also did the math right before we went live. He was actually 12 of his final 14, which one of those incompletions being a drop. So he's a guy who started, I think one first first, six and then turned things around On a dime. So I'm just very pleased with this day. So B plus, although if I wanted to chug the Kool-Aid, I can creep into the A minus range, but I'll hold myself. Maybe that's a week two preseason kind of a grade. But Nick, how about you? What's going to be your grade for Justin Fields in his Bears debut?
2: Not to go with much analysis, but I'm also going to go with the B plus as well. (laughs) You saw a lot of good and hope that he can just improve upon that. And Again, like I said, with the pocket kind of stuff, but B-plus for me for Justin Fields.
1: All right, so we're going to talk about the Bears' running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, and any other bigger takeaways we have from this unit. But first, Nick, you have a message from our friends over at Manscaped.
2: Oh, you know how these go. So attention, listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity while you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code. Fan side 20. If you're looking for an out of world experience, look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and even Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ears and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you.
1: Nick, can you be honest? When you were a kid aspiring to be a Bears journalist, no. Did you ever envision sitting in the press box after a game talking about pubes? I, I, no. Okay. <laughs> I did not. No. You seem, <laughs> you're you looking at all the press over there like kind of sheepishly as you're reading it, too. Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, there's a glass wall here. You can see everybody. And I don't even know if they can hear us or not, but I feel like they can. And, like, <laughs> and I have former professors over there like, This is what you do, Nick. This is what you do. Like, yes. This is what you helped me to do. (laughs) This
1: is what they enabled you to do here after some time. Hey, you know we've made it uh, when we're able to reach uh, that status. But you're listening to the Chicago Audible. This is our first post game show of the year Bears Dolphins preseason week one. I'm Earl DeWitt, joined by Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. We just kind of broke down Justin Fields' Bears debut. And it's time to look at the rest of the offense. And let's just go positional group. It's a preseason game. I don't think it's one that you need to go into all the stats and drive by drive, series by series. It's not a game that you play to win. Well, I think they try to, but as a fan, that's not what I'm watching for. I'm looking for uh, development and what I see out of some guys. So let's talk about running backs, and let's go to Mason. Let's talk about Cleo Herbert. Uh, There's a few times I peeked over at you, and uh, I don't know that smirk continued to grow with each and every you know touch that Herbert got.
0: I mean, every time he touched the ball, he's a guy that to me has a chance to do something cool something although something a little special you know yes he got stuffed a couple times i mean it, it's the run game you know and not everything can be totally electric but he had a couple of runs today that made you th- think this is why the bears drafted you right I mean, that he's got a guy that can develop and take the reins you know in future seasons and can help this year i mean no he's not going to be you know a 10 touch per game guy but if you include, hopefully, Kirk which we can get to at some point, too, because the Bears did some in- interesting stuff there today. He can definitely be a guy that helps, right, that can spell, you know, David Montgomery, Damian Williams, uh, and, and can really help this offense Just have some of those little, those little changes that you have to account for if you're the defense. Because we saw that in 2018 when the Bears, you know, didn't have Trey Burton, and then the Eagles were able to key on Tariq Cohen, right, now all of a sudden, where do we go? Now, So if you have injuries, if you have COVID concerns, that's obviously something that's going to be huge now. You have someone that has an option that can give you that extra juice, as his Twitter handle says.
1: (laughs) Wonderful. I love how you had to find a way to squeeze that in here. Uh, Herbert, six rushes, 38 yards, three catches on three targets, 11 more yards through the air, 49 total yards on the day. And I think my biggest takeaway from him... Uh, you said something special. I think his special attribute that I at least saw on display today was that toughness and that strength when he's running the football. Like he has some big legs and he's running through guys and he's able to kind of keep his balance fighting through contact. And I didn't see any like you know tremendous speed. I know he's fast, but I, to me I think the ability that was on display was that power and having that to be chained up from like a Williams And Montgomery, I think, will have a good value here for the Bears this season. And that's why he got the looks he had today. And that's why he's already third on the Bears depth chart at running back. Nick, I'll go to you. Uh, You can chime in more on Herbert or is there any other running back observations? And if you start off with Ryan All's run at the end of the game, I'm going to be slightly disappointed. It wasn't a 69-yard run, so I won't even talk about that. Um, No, I think
2: something just to keep note of, David Montgomery did leave the game because of an injury. Um, I, was, I, I don't think Matt Nagy said anything about that in his presser and from what uh, some people were tweeting during the game is that he was fine on the sidelines. But just something to keep note of. Obviously, that's a very key component to this Bears offense and just something to, to keep note of. But Damian Williams also had very limited reps again today. So it was nice to see Khalil Herbert really show those that cutback ability because that's something that he's been known for. And I think that just works perfectly with this inside-outside zone running scheme that the Bears do run here.
1: Yeah, and even though Williams didn't have a lot of touches, the one that he did that didn't even count was that nice mm-hmm. run where he bounced it out to the outside, had the speed and the quickness to create that separation. I think that went for over 10 yards, but there's an Alex Barr's holding call mm-hmm. that brought that back, and I don't think that holding call really created that play. I think, obviously, it took it away, but I think it was Williams who was able to kind of make that play happen following his blockers and again bouncing that play outside it wasn't intended to go that far out um, but just showing that burst and some of that wiggle uh, as that's what we saw at camp saw here in preseason as he kind of continues to knock that rust off after missing last season and i expect him to be a very special complimentary back to to david montgomery uh, either mason or nick anything else on running backs before we move on
0: yeah the only thing i would say <clears throat> i was a little disappointed with uh, cg marable um One, that he didn't get as many carries. And one of the things that we did see, and I tweeted this out, he motioned in the backfield and had a false start. And then he got immediately pulled from the game. And you just can't make mistakes like that, right? If you're a rookie coming in trying to make a name for yourself, not just on this team, but hopefully some other teams, uh, you you can't do that. So hopefully, you know, against the Bills next next, uh, game, he can get a couple more carries and he can make less of those mental errors.
1: Yep, that's a really good point. If he's trying to make this team obviously it's already thin margins for him making a mistake getting pulled not going to ever give him any more chances uh, to kind of make his case so moving on over to the wide receivers it was a very quiet day for this unit Uh, if your name wasn't uh who was it rodney adams rodney adams had four catches at least by the time that justin fields went out and all other Bears wide receivers at that time combined for four additional catches. One from Bird, one from Lacey, one from Ridley, and one from Justin Hardy. Nick, why?
2: That's a good question, but I, I liked what I saw out of Rodney Adams just making himself available to to Justin Fields. And the one catch that he had, that 25-yarder down the left sideline, that's that's good ball placement by Justin Fields, but that's a heck of a catch by Rodney Adams to go over the defender and make that catch. And that— he. It was Fields and Rodney Adams actually connected in the Family Fest game down the left side of the, the clip that went viral. So Justin Fields actually talked about it in his presser. Like, yeah, that's a guy that he trusts. That's a guy that was available. He also had a nice key play that you talked about earlier, Will, where Justin Fields kind of sucked into the defender. Rodney Adams was the recipient of that pass. So, yeah, he he was one of those guys that capitalized on these moments, these, these preseason games that – You know, are obviously very important to those guys fighting for those spots. So I liked what I saw from him, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. I saw here in the chat from kinged carl uh, saying it's a live pack podcast which we can communicate more with the chat i agree with you uh with the recording software that i have right here on my computer where we're streaming i don't have any chat popping up right now um, at home during my normal setup i do um, but right now i'm not seeing too much and there's a little bit of a lag over here on this side and we're trying to make sure that we're getting this done i appreciate that would love to communicate more just letting you know kind of why uh, at least right now when i'm looking here at the camera I don't see any chat. Uh, let's go over to Mason, though. What did you see from the wide receivers, good, bad, or ugly?
0: There were a couple times, actually, that Nick and I looked at each other when seeing some of the plays go, go out, and it was like, why is the play design the way that it is? There were a couple times where, you know, understandable, you're trying to have Justin Fields roll out, you know, condense the field, everything, but then you only have three routes. They're all just, you know, maybe short, intermediate, and deep level, but then the Dolphins only have to play half the field, too. There were a couple of times where you had a little bit more max protection, and there were truly two routes and then one maybe dump that you had to like a tight end or a running back in the flat. So they were not exotic looks, right? The route trees were pretty simple today overall. I think that's going to play into it, but that just means you do have to win your one-on-one battles. And you know apparently, you know when you have guys like Chris Lacey, Hardy, they're not winning their one-on-one battles. Uh, there were a couple of times that I know I noticed John V. Johnson was actually running open deep. and. He was missed by Justin Fields. So, you know, that's, that's a knock there. Um, at the end of the day, you know, first preseason game, it really just ends up boiling down to skill over skill a lot of times. And the Dolphins have a deep defense. We saw that today. Uh, there's some guys that they have in their second, third level that make, might be starters somewhere else too. So I uh, got to give the Dolphins credit where credit is due.
1: Yeah, without a doubt there over Mason. Uh, real quick, are you surprised as I am that we did not see as much Des Newsome, at least as I thought we would?
0: It was crazy. We were sitting there and it's like, have we seen Daz? And at that moment, he was trotting off the field. And I think that was the first time that I noticed, and I think maybe you did too, that he was actually in the game. Um, There's he's probably behind in the playbook still you know obviously he was out for a while with that collarbone Um, they're probably still trying to monitor his reps while yes that collarbone is healed that does not mean that he is fully in game condition at this point and that the muscles around that shoulder area on that side are really ready to fully protect that collarbone at this point so we really got to wait and see or nicks can see at training camp this next week what that's going to look like in terms of his reps and then what he'll do in the bills game
1: really good stuff there mason real quickly an offensive line nick You mentioned in your opening segment uh, that you were pleased to see uh, the play from the offensive line. Were there any standouts, or was it more just of a team effort here today? I think it was just a team
2: effort, because you had a bunch of guys coming in and staying in for significant reps. Like Elijah Wilkinson was playing a large majority of this game, not just with the first-teamers and Andy Dalton for the limited reps, but... For as long as Justin Fields was out there, I'm pretty sure Elijah Wilkinson at left tackle was playing for a majority of that time. Maybe just mm-hmm. not the last drive, but yeah, I think it was a collective effort to you know not allow these Dolphins pass rushers to hit home on any of those sacks. Yes, mm-hmm. Fields did have to escape the pocket a couple of times and use, that, use his legs to avoid that, but I think for what the Bears had going into this game
1: in terms of just availability from the offensive line, They did better than I was expecting, for sure. The pocket was cleaner than I thought it would be coming in. And even when Fields had to use his legs, I thought his time to throw before he bailed the pocket was something that wasn't at an acceptable level, especially given the fact that we're down as many offensive linemen uh, as we are. A plus would be Alex Bars was able to play after getting injured earlier this week in practice. Uh, But let's talk about some of that breaking news real quick. Uh, As soon as that Bears game ended, uh, news came through that the Bears did sign Jason Peters, uh, a 39-year-old. Uh, I think he's been in the league for about 18, 19 years, and he's a nine-time Pro Bowler. So this guy's been around. Obviously, he hasn't uh, been signed previously to this point, this free season, a uh, free agency period, or at least now this preseason. Um, but Nick uh, Matt Nagy said post-game uh, that he's here to compete for a starting job, and he also mentioned that it's anyone's gig. I mean, it's practically wide open. Uh, what do you take about the Bears signing Peters? I know Nagy also said this isn't. Due to anything regarding Tevin Jenkins' situation, do you buy it?
2: No, I don't. (laughs) I think you sign—obviously, being familiarity with Juan Castillo and even Matt Nagy, yes, you bring in a guy like that, but come on. When you have a rookie who has not played any—obviously, in any of the training camp practices, has yet to see that significant role at such an important position, I don't buy that it doesn't have anything to do with Tevin Jenkins and where he's at physically. So I think that's what the move was meant to do early on. Maybe later in the season you'll see what happens, and you've got to see, still see how, how Peters is, you know, holding up physically, obviously not being signed by anybody. That can be an indication of where he's at. But I think it does have to do with where Tevin Jenkins is currently at but I'm glad that the Bears did bring in somebody. They needed to at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm um, again, if they wouldn't have, that would have been a huge disservice by Ryan Pace not adding in another body, a uh, pure tackle. Heck, bringing in a nine-time Pro Bowler, I know he's up there in age, but he's someone that I believe as all Jacob Infante on Twitter said he's never had like a negative grade on PFF for like, the last like eight, nine years. So he's someone that even up here in age has played at a decent level. So for the Bears, I think that's a pretty good get at this stage. Mason, is there anything you want to add at this point?
0: No, there's not really a ton to add there, you know. But we were joking that they finished this game up and said, "Dang, we need some help on that offensive line." Because no, it wasn't necessarily like Andy Dalton or Justin Fields or. Nick Foltz, for that matter, were running for their lives or anything like that. But there were enough times in that game where you looked at it and said, man, I would like to see what this line would look like at full strength to really know what it's going to be like and to have someone with as much experience as Jason Peters has, right? We, we Nick already said he knows Juan Castillo. He, do, he knows Matt Nagy. You know what you're getting out of him for the most part it's going to be really nice to solidify that line. And But Nagy said, he's not handing him the job. Right. And there was a question that specifically said, so you signed him to be a backup? And Nagy said, no, he's here to compete for a starting job. So this next week of practice, I wish I could, have be, could be there. It's going to be really interesting to see how they split those reps there. I'm
1: glad we have two good eyes over here to kind of be paying attention for us and Mr. Uh, Moriano. Mason, in our preview, we talked about who's who has the best chance to rise their stock or maybe lower it, You know, the most to gain or lose. Who do you think did race their stock the most on offense in this game?
0: Uh, QB1, Justin Fields. <laughs> uh, he Again, Andy Dalton didn't do anything wrong, and that's, I think, perfect for what Matt Nagy wants. I mean, it's not like from the beginning it's been like a – he said it's not a competition. Andy Dalton's you know quarterback one right now. But when you have something as stale and stagnant as that first quarter was and then as electric as it got in that third quarter – you start to there's a feeling right and you saw that i think you when you looked over on the sidelines how uh, the excitement level you felt it in the press box there was just this excitement that was palpable and it's hard to fight that and i think that that's something that matt nagy needs for his team and that's something that is he is going to get shoved in his face right it's just something that he's going to have to accept
1: all right mason going with qb1 also probably using the word palpable for the first time ever uh on our podcast i don't think i've ever used it I don't think Nick has either. So adding more to our vernacular here, Mason, good stuff. Uh, let's go over to Nick, man. Uh, who do you think stock rose the most? Or if you want to do an opposite, you can do who uh, stock dropped the most.
2: That's a tough one. I mean, I, I think the clear favor for Rose is Justin Fields and how he played. But if someone someone's stock was lower due to this game, it has to be one of the wide receivers, Just not, just maybe the collective group of those backups not showing up other than Rodney Adams because he didn't see anything on Chris Lacey. John V. Johnson also muffed the punt for a little bit and recovered it himself. So maybe I would go with John V. Johnson, who had so much hype going Mm -hmm. into this and then doesn't really do anything in this first preseason game. But obviously has two more to kind of correct, you know, right the ship a little bit. But I'll I'll go with John Vay Johnson for, for now, and we'll see what
1: he does in these next practices and then in the next preseason game. I'm going to make Mason happy and I'll go with an alternate because the Justin Fields, it's quite obvious. I think Khalil Herbert raised the stock a little bit here today, uh, both with the Bears coaches as well as fans. Uh, Because for most fans, this is the first time they got to see a little bit of Khalil Herbert. And he got some decent cheers out there uh, for the runs that he he was able to put together. And he did display a few of those, like we said, uh, the strength, the ability to find those cutback lanes and just turn up field and Again, for someone that was already third in the dub chart and finding ways to be productive against the twos, uh, for someone who was drafted as late as he was, I think this is a good find from the Bears. And showing it on a game day compared to a practice, I think it's only going to solidify uh, Matt Nagy's belief in him, in him and will earn him some of those rotational reps once he gets to the regular season sooner rather than if he did struggle a little bit here uh, this afternoon. Nick, any final thoughts on offense before we move on to defense?
2: I'm looking forward to seeing what the offense can do if they actually ever get some offensive linemen back and healthy in the starting unit. I want to see if that maybe allows Matt Nagy to maybe drop some of those deeper plays for Andy Dalton, who's very, you know, stagnant in the pocket, just in this game at least. But I think that would allow to open up things to see a little bit more out of him than we saw this quick game stuff that happened in the, what, the six to eight reps or snaps that happened in this game.
0: Yeah,
1: you're right. Uh, How about you, Mason? Any final thoughts on O?
0: No, really, the only thing I would say is I I just want the coaches to open up the playbook a little bit. Obviously, you don't want to give away too much heading into the regular season, but it's going to be hard as people watching from the outside to really know what this offense is going to be capable of if it's as simple as it is currently.
1: All right. uh, My final thought, I'm just so damn happy Justin Fields is a Chicago Bear. (laughs) All right, moving on to the third quarter of our post-game show. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears defense. Sean Decides, first ever game as Bears defensive coordinator. I know it's preseason, but this is a good stepping stone for him, too, to kind of get some, you know, his feet wet a little bit, uh, getting adjusted to that game flow, being that Bears uh, DC, that play caller. Uh, This Bears defense, at the end of this game, had eight PBUs, seven tackles for a loss, Three sacks and two takeaways. Mason, what did you see out of the defense today from just a general standpoint with Sean Desai compared to, let's say, a Chuck Pagano of last season?
0: there was definitely a difference in the energy level, right? You just saw that from the first snap to the last snap, all everyone that was on that defense was playing at this high intensity. Uh, some guys that didn't really stand out in training camp for probably obvious reasons, just lack of reps, really stood out today on the field. Like uh, Caleb Johnson to me. I mean, like, yes, he got burned on a touchdown, which I mean, he wasn't even close. I mean, I don't know what was going on there. But then he came back and had some pretty solid tackles. Uh, we had DeAndre Houston Carson, Mr. Always in the Right Spot. Mm-hmm with the oneers turnover of the game which by the way i was correct on those over unders so i just want to put that out there
1: we had two turnovers we had two takeaways it was three
0: he said over under three.
1: Oh, oh you're right so that's when you're right we yeah. said the one turnover
0: well <laughs> oh, he... sorry the one turnover that i actually like cared about because i was like the one that was really big for me okay fair anywho but there was just like there was an energy level right and with that that helped i think keep the offense in it as they were struggling through and that permeated the rest of the team
1: okay Nick, how about you? I'm really curious to your thoughts about Sean Desai's debut and what you liked from his unit from all three phases. Well,
2: started with the first phase, I thought you saw just some of the guys in the secondary pretty active in, in the run game. You saw... My guy, Deion Bush, really active, especially in the goal line period after the big play that Ogletree gave up to Gasecki on that, you know, 50 yard reception. So you saw it was Jalen Johnson was in the backfield. Then Dion Bush was back there and they make a goal line stand there. So and being Sean Desai being a former safeties coach, you're seeing that those guys are being more involved. Now imagine when Eddie Jackson, Sean Gibson, the stars are in there. I would think he wants to get those guys obviously more involved in just the overall defense. So that was one thing I noted. Another thing, I guess maybe to kind of also play devil's advocate here, like containment on the edges too a little bit for what you saw like mm. in the second second team unit, third team, especially with like a Travis Gibson. That's something that needs to be improved. But I think to, to what Mason was saying, energy, but also this level of activity from the back end of the defense, which – I think it was kind of sporadic at times when Chuck Pagano was here, and that's why Eddie Jackson kind of fell off. But now envision him being there, what Dion Bush was kind of doing, and also what Jalen Johnson was doing as a corner, that should get you excited about all 11 guys being a part of this defense and not just maybe the front
1: seven making all the tackles. Secondary can get in there too. Secondary was getting active in the run support. Uh, that's definitely a lot of pluses that I have over here on my screen for my notes. And uh, seeing that I think just is going to – Show Bears fans, I mean, this is only preseason, and the secondary is not afraid to get their nose dirty. Just wait till the games matter come week one how aggressive this whole team will be. And if they can continue to play like that with the front seven being as strong, there's no Roquan today, there's no Danny Trevathan today, with the front seven being as strong as we expected to be maybe we're looking at a run defense that gets back into the top 10, top five uh, when we get to the regular season. Um, but Nick, I want to go right back to you because I'm looking at my notes and I have your guy on the very tip top of my list, and that's Angelo Blackson who had himself a pretty strong debut too here in Chicago.
2: Yeah, he was getting you know into the Dolphins' backfield just causing whoever's he was living living there. At, yeah, he was living there, and whoever, whoever's that quarterback, Blackson was was wreaking havoc, maybe not hitting home every time, but really just disrupting what the Dolphins wanted to do, and I think that's so encouraging to see. We know Mario Edwards is going to be out the first two games, so you need guys, this free agent acquisition, to show up, and he definitely did in this preseason game. I would say, like, even in the joint practices, it was pretty quiet for Blackson, but when it came game time, you know, he showed up, and so that's really encouraging just because he's going to be a part of this rotation and seeing that he was able to make the most out of his opportunities in this game, but obviously it's going to translate to the regular season, that's encouraging, but Antel Blackson, I mean, I know we'll get to MVBs later, but he's he's like a high contender because of how he played and how consistent he was.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was living in the backfield, as you said, and I felt like, like he said the light switch went on because at the one practice I was at didn't see too much out of him, um, but what I loved to see was that aggressiveness. Like, he finished with pure aggression, uh, whether it's getting a QB hit on Tua, uh, helping force some of those tackles for a loss, but as soon as that ball snapped, he had a quick get off and he had a few different moves that he can use to get and beat those offensive linemen, running some of those stunts, and I'm just excited to see how they can grow that, because with him, Mario Edwards, Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, that's that's the deepest defensive line in the National Football League if Andrew Blackson plays at that level. And speaking of depth, let's go over to Mason. What was your takeaway from uh, Kyrie Tonga's debut here at Nose Tackle?
0: I think Tonga did exactly what you want him to do. He ate space, clogged running lanes, and allowed for some of the linebackers and secondary to clean up. Right, yeah, Dion Bush is not going to be able to make a tackle in the backfield if you know tonga doesn't have three grown men trying to block him Yeah, there was one freeze frame where it was literally there's four dolphins it's one point being in contact with him it was pretty impressive um and so obviously we don't know exactly what's gonna end ha- ultimately happen with eddie goldman um he was out there doing some warm-up stuff today but he ultimately did not play today um but just even to have the backup to give him a, a breath of fresh air right is Really, really nice to have, and that way you can just keep that rotation going, uh, especially when we get to the drudges and as you might say, bear weather, When it's constantly mm-hmm. running of the ball. Um, it's so it's, it is really nice to have constantly be having this depth that the Bears really haven't had in previous years,
1: yeah, exactly. That depth, uh, I think, is shouldn't it go underrated. I think we talked about that in the pre game show, just talking about if Tonga can display, I think what we saw out of him today. Gives the Bears a backup plan if, for some reason, Eddie Goldman isn't panning out. I think he returns Monday, so I'm I'm expecting nothing but good things from Eddie Goldman once he returns, but the Bears do have a plan in place without him, and that's something they did not have last season, and now that there is one waiting in the wings, uh, that should be music to Bears fans' ears. Uh, Nick, there's a lot of good and a little bit of bad when it came to you know Travis Gibson today I know you hit on him just a little bit but I wanted to kind of put a spotlight on him because I did a little Twitter poll before the game asking fans what are you paying attention to outside of Justin Fields and I feel like Gibson kept showing up a lot did he have the day you were expecting or did he let you down a bit I'm really just curious where your headspace at is uh, when it comes to Travis Gibson and his game here today well, I think Travis Gibson's been having a really good training camp. He really
2: has. He's been showing a bunch of his, you know, just pass rush moves and ability to get to the quarterback. But I think just some of the little things that you have to do as an outside linebacker, contain the edge. And I think he just kind of forgot about that stuff. So fixated on wanting to make the splash plays. Well, you got to do the little gritty stuff as well and doing what you're you're kind of asked to do as an, an outside linebacker, just contain the edge. He He failed to do that sometimes. There was... A couple of reps, though, that I noted where he was able to beat that right tackle a couple times, dip in that shoulder to get to the quarterback to force an incompletion. But if you can't do the simple things, there are outside linebackers still on this roster that will get playing time. Like James Waters, if he can contain the edge better and just does his job, then, you know, he, he will earn more playing time. But I would say it was a little bit of a letdown, but I know just what he's capable of in terms of getting to the quarterback. And I know Sean Desai knows that. And if he can just get that part of his game down and just be more consistent with it, then, you know, I think Travis Gibson will be just fine. But it was a little bit of a letdown, I will say, just not contain the edge.
1: All right. And I know there was one point you and I were looking at each other and it was like, "Where, where is Charles Snowden? And then he makes a play. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: that's another guy that he made the... Maybe not make the most of his opportunity because of what it was one play, right? But he did, he was able to get back there. And I don't know if the, like in the official stats, they gave him the sack or not, but he was definitely in. They did
1: actually end up giving him the sack. Okay,
2: good. Because he was right then and there. So I think that's obviously you know, good for a guy that's trying to get into the mix of just making this team. No guarantee for him, but yeah, that was, uh, somebody that obviously a lot of upside, a lot of people are excited about, has made a few plays here and there in training camp, but he was able to get on, you know, one of the three sacks that the Bears had today.
1: Yeah, precisely. And that's, out of the undrafted free agent that everyone's been excited about for him to make his presence felt and known here in his very first game action. Again, another great sign from another young Chicago bear. Uh, so w- we mentioned it earlier, uh, the bears, the not start Roquan Smith. We did not see Danny Trevathan instead. The two starting inside linebackers were Christian Jones and Alec Ogletree and Ogletree on one of the bears first defensive series, if not the first, it's been a long time since we've watched this game, but he had himself a pretty big play that he let up to tie to Mike Dicecki. Uh It was a 50-yarder. Uh, it was man coverage. He was just a couple steps behind. Uh, couldn't make the tackle after the fact. But then once they got inside the five, Ogletree stood out, was able to make a really strong play on third down, uh, ended up making it for a loss of two. And then they actually, uh, the Miami had to settle for a field goal on that drive. So I love the ability for Ogletree to bounce back after a mistake in drive. I think that's uh, just a sign of his season right? You know, that veteran, that savviness that he plays with, his ability to have that short memory. What was your take, Mason, of Alec Ogletree's uh, debut here in Chicago uh, in a game setting? I know I didn't get to see him at practice. I think you may have. I did, yeah. Uh, so what did you see today that you liked, maybe didn't like, or just general takeaways on Ogletree?
0: So, I totally agree. You know, you you gotta appreciate a guy that can make a mistake like he did and turn back around and have some positive plays on top of that. But we also have to be fair, right? One of the things that we have talked about in this preseason and leading up to this upcoming season is was Dan- Danger Vathan and his struggles in coverage. Is that something that ultimately is going to show? Because yes, we saw a lot of really good interceptions from Alec Galatry in training camp. But is there just something like he just likes picking off Bears quarterbacks? Right. <laughs> um, and then even the one that I saw, I remember on Andy Dalton, he was more or less at the line of scrimmage, jumped up and caught it. Wasn't he he wasn't really in coverage per mm-hmm. se, right? Uh, and so when you have these athletic tight ends like a Gasicki and you have to play a pretty athletic one in Hawkinson twice a year, right? We got Irv Smith now with the Vikings, so that's another pretty athletic tight end. Um I don't know if Robert Tunyon really counts as that, athletic. I mean, big Bobby Tunyon. But you see, you do see a lot of that. And so is he going to be able to cover those guys when need be? Now, at the end of the day, that may not be his job because in theory that's more of a Roquan Smith thing. So, but versus today, he probably had to do it a little bit more with Christian Jones being his compatriot. So we're going to have to wait and see as they get a little bit closer to full strength what that's going to look like.
1: All right, so... I'm trying to think. Do you want to say anything on Iggy there, Nick? I know you said he felt you felt pretty safe about his job. You thought it was uh, Josh Woods that may be more in trouble with the, with the presence or the emergence of an Alec Ogletree. But after watching today's game, do you still feel the same way? He had a really bad holding penalty there, Will. So I think, you know, when you look at Joel
2: and what he provides to his team, that's that's a question mark in itself. Like, what is it that he does well, or does he obviously provides that special teams aspect? But coverage wise, and that was Gaseki too, who is a pretty good tight end. Had the holding call. He did have a nice play where he made a tackle in the backfield and started to crawl on the ground. And then I think it was all of us were like, "Hey, you shouldn't do that. Now. That's a, <laughs> that's a little much." Like, but and so he had you know. Obviously a bad play, one good play, and consistency, man, if you don't have that, and Matt Nagy and talk about that with Riley Ridley, that definitely applies for a Joel E.A. who who's fighting for, I think, a spot too. I think he was on the first team, special teams unit mm-hmm. in terms of uh, you know, punt. Which and, makes uh, sense. Yeah, so I think that's why if you're looking for people who are on the bubble, or if they're there, maybe that's a good indication where the, the coaching staff sees them. But... Yeah, play like that, the
1: holding, and I believe it was third down, too. So, it obviously, doesn't bode well for his favor. Now, my other question for you, Nick. Uh, I didn't see a list of Bears inactives before this game, but was Desmond Trufant on that list? I didn't see him out there on the field today.
2: Ooh, no, I didn't see him at all, either, because Kendall Wilder played, a, you know, not even with... It was a first team, and then also for a little bit with, you know, that, that mm-hmm. second-team hybrid unit. So,
1: I didn't see that he was inactive, but...
2: Who knows what that can mean, honestly. Uh,
1: Exactly, because we talked about it in our preview. How long does it take until Desmond Trufant gets to play? And I feel like him not playing is not helping his chances of making this team. He's not a starter on the depth chart. Kendall Vildor didn't do anything that made me feel like he needs to be bumped down or anything of that nature. So Desmond Trufant being missing in action here today. M-I-A, we played the Dolphins. Sorry, I I had to do it once. I had to. Uh, Again, maybe this is a sign where maybe – True, uh, true. Font isn't going to be a Chicago Bear come week one. We'll see how the rest of the practice and preseason looks. But wow, I was just a little bit surprised. Maybe that's who takes Peters. Uh, Peters takes that spot because they have to open up a spot.
2: They do, yeah. So I'm,
1: yeah. That was interesting though that he didn't even
2: see the field one. I'm pretty sure he didn't. I see didn't see the field. two one. No. So I, I don't know what could have happened, but that's maybe for uh, next or they'll be back at practice not tomorrow, but. Um, well, I'm forgetting the day it's Monday Monday, Monday. Yeah, is long it's because they're playing Saturday it's like Sunday I know no, it so, feels like a Sunday but, so Monday's practice we'll see what ends up happening with Desmond Trufant in that corner Situation.
1: Uh, while I have you, Nick, is there any other thoughts you have just about the rotation that the Bears had at corner? I saw Marquis Christian playing nickel after Duke Shelley, Duke Shelley getting bumped to outside. Uh, just general takeaways on what that could mean or what you really least saw out of it.
2: You know, the Duke Shelley situation I think was a little interesting because obviously he started with the first team unit as a nickel corner, got bounced outside as the right cornerback. So I think the Bears are still trying to get a feel for him as well. I think they feel okay with him at nickel. But, gosh, you just want to see that versatility because he does kind of provide that. He did that last year when he had to fill in, being an outside and also that nickelback corner. But I think there's still obviously that competition, uh, obviously in the slot there. But you just want to be able to provide that versatility, and Duke Shelley can do that. He gave up a few smaller receptions, but he also had a good nice PBU along this right sideline towards um, the end zone here. So Duke Shelley, I think, just showing his versatility. But I think the Bears are still trying to figure it out with him.
1: Mason, over to you. Any takeaways from the secondary, from a personnel standpoint? Any players that stood out to you uh, as they're making their case to make this Bears roster?
0: Overall, I think for me that this is one of the more disappointing units of the day. Uh, when it came to the starters right away, especially I think it was the second drive when Tua started to really put some things together. I mean, you had guys like Isaiah Ford and Jevon Holland really making some solid plays. And they were burning in theories of who sort of people were to be starters, right? Um, it was on Duke Shelley, who might be one of the starting slot. It was on uh, Kendall Vildor, things of that nature. So, I really want to see that tighten up a little bit. And then even on some of the secondary guys of the secondary, uh, Xavier and Crawford came in and did okay, but did, well, didn't wow you. But you know, also did, didn't necessarily make you feel terrible about it. Um, it's just a group that you hope they can really start to string a little bit more together in terms of some of those pass breakups, a little tighter coverage. Um, I've said this before on the podcast. One of the things that bugged me the most uh, with Kyle Fuller was how far he played off, Um, and I really was hoping that that might be something that was more of taught to him and would change now that you have Sean Desai in here um, and really press a little bit more so that your pass rushers can hit home a little bit easier. Uh, But so far, they're still playing off a little bit, so hopefully that changes.
1: One player that stood out to me uh, was someone who I mentioned I'm paying attention to. And I know he played with mostly second and third teamers, but he showed out a bit. And that was Trey Roberson. Uh, he did lead the team with the two PBUs. And I thought when I was watching him in coverage, he wasn't really seeming lost. He had pretty tight coverage throughout. And he was also getting his nose dirty in some of that run support late. I know we were kind of talking up the first string unit of doing that. Uh, I want to make sure to mention that kind of transpired through all, you know, whoever was out there. Those DBs were uh, rather aggressive. Uh, but, Nick, I wanted, wanted to get your thoughts on Marquis Christian, though, because he is someone that uh, has been f- kind of fighting for a spot as well as maybe a Tabor. Yeah, so he was in on that fumble that happened
2: right in towards the middle of the field. I think I think they credit it to LaCale London, or London I believe, mm-hmm. number 60 on the Bears, a linebacker. But Marquis Christian was in perfect position to make – tackle on that play and that's exactly what he has to do because yeah throughout training camp he was at the nickel position I've seen him at safety like T's taper guys that are kind of a little bit more versatile like they are literally DB on the roster for a reason Mm because you can kind of put them wherever um you see fit so making a play like or just being in on a play like that Coaches recognize those kind of things. Can you create those turnovers? Get in the, and one thing that we talk about, Will, like afterwards, they put in the – the turn. oh, no, that was the DeAndre Houston Carson interception. If they put in the, the turnover bucket. I don't know if they went to the bucket as well after that one. I wasn't paying attention. So that will be definitely next time during game days, how that defense kind of responds after they get those turnovers.
1: Yeah, because it's preseason. You didn't see some of those bigger celebrations that we saw, like the 2018 season. I would feel kind of embarrassed if they did those during a preseason, <laughs> that, yeah. to be honest. Um, but still, I'm sure they used the bucket if they brought it. Uh, hopefully, they didn't forget about it uh, like we did up here uh, in the booth. But Mason, let's go to you first. Uh, any big lessons or any final takeaways on defense and also while you're at it? Uh, one player that stock either went up or down, in your opinion.
0: So big takeaway on the defense is that secondary is still unfinished. And that could be just because of some injuries, right? We didn't have Eddie Jackson, didn't have Deshaun Gibson in there. Um, and while it seems like we're getting towards knowing who the starting corners are going to be, it's still up in the air. Because, again, the Dolphins didn't have their main three receivers in, you know, Alan Hearns, in uh, Wilson, and then also in Devontae Parker. So that's that's a little concerning. In terms of stock up, stock down, um, can you go, I would say Alec Ogletree for me, stock went down a little bit, honestly. Um, it wasn't like he did anything abhorrently bad and he really stood out on that goal line stand. But I really, if you're going to be that third linebacker and probably not give as much on special teams, um, even though he said he would absolutely do special teams, no problem, like in one of the last interviews he did, you really need to be able to stand out as that, as that main linebacker. In terms of stock up, I really like T's Tabor. Every time I looked up there, he was doing something. He, his name was popping up in some way, shape or form, <laughs> whether it was with a solid tackle pass breakup. And then that Swiss army knife, um, you know, not to say it's him, but he's kind of like that honey badger. where are just kind of roaming around and doing whatever's needed. That's really nice to have.
1: It sure is a, a, a nice thing to have for sure. Uh, how about you, Nick uh, final thoughts on defense and a player that you thought stock rose or fell. And I have a hunch. You're going to go with Angel Blackson and up but you can surprise me no I think
2: everything's going to be about Angelo Blackson because I think <laughs> what I learned about the defense and you kind of mentioned it earlier Will that defensive line in general there's just so much depth and quality players along that unit and you know it really does start with how Angelo Blackson played in this game just kind of reinforcing um that starting unit but also just a depth at that that um rotation there but that stock up is also angelo blackson <laughs> so i i just not that i didn't expect that he could be as dominant as he was today but man just seeing him live in the backfield like we were talking earlier that is so reassuring to one the signing of him and what he can provide for this bears defense
1: yep without a doubt at all and for me uh, my big takeaway on this bears defense the swag is back Uh you can feel that energy back here with the Chicago Bears defense. That's minus at least half the starters for the entirety of this game, but they're playing with that passion, that energy, and they're living, breathing, trying to take that football away, trying to make the quarterback's life a living nightmare. There, are a few, I mean, all three quarterbacks I saw from Miami were under duress more times than not. Now, obviously, 2-0 was able to kind of evade the pressure and make that Bears defense pay a little bit more uh, with some losses in coverage. Um, but still, there was pressure all day long, and I think what we saw is that pressure... Even though you'll give up some points, the Bears did some bending. They didn't do a lot of breaking, but turnovers will follow, and so will some really good plays. So that was my biggest takeaway um, in terms of the player whose stock went up or down. It's hard to really pick another one out of the ones that you guys mentioned. I thought everyone played as I really expected. Uh, I'll say Ogletrees went up a bit for his ability to overcome, even though I'm still a little disappointed uh, in that play that he gave up over to Mike uh, Gaseki. Moving into the fourth quarter of our show, let's talk about Bears special teams. Nick, are we going to start with the positive or negative? I'll go with the negative here. I think the Bears, you know,
2: punt coverage definitely dykes. needs Yikes. work. There were so many just opportunities for Miami Dolphins returners to get get to the outside or however way they found those those I guess running lanes. They did it. And that just means that's on Tabor and that unit. And it's probably still figuring out like there's guys probably going in and out, honestly. Trying to figure out who, who's trying to be in there.
1: Yeah, and my thought is without starters you guys you have guys who are starting mm-hmm. and then maybe you're bumping those players you know, other players up the depth chart to play special teams, or maybe someone's playing defense and I didn't get to check all the numbers, but playing defense or playing offense and immediately having to be, if they are punting, we're looking at punt coverage. So some offensive guys would have to have done that. And maybe they're a little gassed or you're just throwing different guys out there and just seeing what kind of sticks. I would assume that's something that gets cleaned up. But if that's the punt coverage that we see when at one point they're averaging over 24 yards given up per punt, on a return and the shortest one they allowed was like 21 yards that kind of field position I don't think you can win many games having that flip that many times
2: yeah that's obviously a problem so we'll see how that trend or if not kind of continues throughout this preseason but I think maybe it will get solidified once you get
1: permanent guys that you know are going to be on this team to really fill those roles okay let's go to Mason for a positive what's the positive that you saw from Bears special teams today the
0: Bears have two good kickers. Yeah, um, and there's a couple of different ways you can look at that. You can either say, "Hey, let's try to hide Brian Johnson and get him to the practice squads. so you have injuries slash COVID insurance." Um, you can also say, "Hey, let's try to make Brian Johnson look like you know the next Robbie Gould, and you try to flip him." Uh, and you know, Nick and I were talking. Uh, I believe it was two years ago, right, that the Ravens traded Kari Vedvik, who is that punter and kicker, to the Vikings for a fifth-round pick. Now, it didn't work out well for Vedvik. He got cut, I'm pretty sure, that same season. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, kicker is still an important part of this league. You need to have a consistent kicker. Cairo hit the kicks he needed to kick, and they looked good from our vantage point. Couldn't see exactly you know, where they were in terms of the uprights. But, yeah, when you have that kind of with those, that positioning, it's really nice because you can then be the one that either, again, takes in some maybe some draft picks or is ready to go if, heaven forbid, something happened to your primary kicker.
1: Yeah, uh, both Bears kickers today were perfect. Uh, and as Nick, you mentioned throughout camp, Johnson has been pretty darn good as well, right alongside Cairo Santos. Uh, for me and special teams, I thought it was really weird watching uh, Jordan Lucas return punts and kicks uh a uh, this age's career i don't know if he he's someone that i don't think has a lot of experience doing it um, but at least they're giving him a crack but seeing a number 23 mason i don't know about you but for me that was strange watching return punts and kicks
0: it was a weird middle where i couldn't figure out is that devin hester is that kyle fuller or oh wait shoot that's jordan lucas oh okay yeah
1: yeah, exactly. But outside of that, you guys hit on everything I needed to on special teams. Uh, so let's move on to uh, MVBs. I'm curious to think about, uh, uh, hear about who your MVB is. Uh, unless, Nick, are you going to go with Angela Blackson? Or are you going to just do it? Or are you going to go with the try and true obvious choice here today? I think we're going to have a, you know just a sweep here of who we think the MVB should
2: be. It has to be Justin Fields the three straight scoring drives the plays that he was able to make by himself in terms of his legs and the throws that he made and I obviously these games don't count really in terms of the win-loss column and what they can mean but still because when when Justin Fields went to the game the Bears actually had a chance offensively and yes it's going against second third stringers whatever it may be but he led the team to those scoring drives the team won because of Justin Fields and the plays he was going to make. So MVP has to be Fields.
1: Right, second and third team, but as we talked about earlier, the Dolphins secondary is pretty deep. Yeah. They were giving that Bears starting unit uh, some problems, and even throughout uh, some of the early portions once Justin took over, some of those adjustments they made, his ability to remain calm. That's why Justin's going to be my MVP. Uh, I think he hit everything that we needed to for him in a debut. Uh, you saw him overcome. Uh, it wasn't all pretty, and we're talking about it during the game, Mitch's debut was very pretty throughout the whole thing and that was very misleading so for Justin to actually have some struggles and overcome them I think is the biggest sign that you can take from a positive standpoint that we possibly could uh, after one game uh, from our first round draft pick rookie quarterback but Mason how about you you're going to just make this unanimous today
0: I think you have to I mean we kind of talked about right where there wasn't like a huge running game today there wasn't a lot being done by the receivers the defense was there they they did what they needed to do um but the one that really got the electricity flowing was justin fields now like you said mitch had a pretty good preseason game when he first started and then the rest of the preseason didn't go that well what's the story going to be for justin fields is he going to now be able to as we said before stack multiple practices and games together and keep that progression going forward
1: again I, i keep saying it he's shown me nothing But the fact that he will do exactly what you just said, Mason and sir, while you have the mic, uh, let's jump into your two minute warning. So this is where we have about two minutes to wrap up our thoughts on this game before we close out the show. So, Mason, what's going to be your first two minute warning of the season?
0: First two-minute warning of the season. First off, huge shout-out to Chicago Bears staff. I was running late today because I had to like, treat physical therapy patients this morning, <laughs> and they were amazing getting me to where I needed to get to uh, and basically just shepherded me there. So first off, thank you, Bears staff. You're awesome. Um, but in terms of – it's just exciting for the, what the Bears are doing, right? Um I haven't been this excited for a Bears team in a long time. You know, there was a little bit of that when Mitch was a rookie. I was like, ooh, where is this going to go? But this is really, it's a different feeling, right? There's a different vibe. Um, And you see that on Bears Twitter. We we felt that in the press box. We had a gentleman below us who would not stop banging on the wall, no matter probably how hard we tried in terms of getting him to stop. So um, it's an exciting time to be a Bears fan.
1: It really is. Nick, how about you? What's going to be your two-minute warning?
2: So I'm just curious to see how these bottom end guys that are continuing to fight for roster spots, what they do for the rest of the preseason. But I think it was a good good game to see where some of the guys are currently at, what the Bears still have question marks at. I think the secondary still can figure it out between Vildor and Shelly, just given how, how long they played today. So still wondering what how that's going to play out. But seeing what Justin Fields was able to do in terms of comfortability in the pocket, like that is a great, It was great to see in this preseason game one, and you saw that in training camp practices. So everything's just kind of carrying over. So I'm really curious to see how he continues to develop, you know, that part of his game, but also, you know, just his awareness of the game situation that he's going to be in, you know, in any given game. So just seeing how he progresses that area and also, like, just wanting to see the starting offense continue to hopefully get some guys back. Allen Robinson didn't play. Goodwin didn't play. Will be a part of that mix. Offensive line, obviously, is missing some guys. So seeing that unit kind of continue to develop and get key guys back will be, you know, good to see moving forward. But it was a good start for today. It didn't start off well for Justin Fields, for the Spares offense. They had, what, no first downs with three minutes going into the, you know, the end of the second quarter. So they were pick it up, though, in that second half usually an area where the Bears have routinely struggled in regular season games as of the last couple years so I'm looking forward to see those certain areas kind of still look to get better but also looking at key players that are trying to make this roster
1: yeah after halftime back-to-back touchdown drives don't think we could have said that out of any single game last season nope no. Uh, so for my two-minute warning, uh, to kind of piggyback off of Nick where this offense is at, I'm excited uh, about the potential uh, that we possess, uh, especially with Justin Fields under center uh, uh, with that collectiveness that he played with, his ability to inspire, to elevate the play of his teammates around him, and kind of keep them uh, checked into the game, not freaking out when things weren't going exactly the way that the Bears wanted them to go. Uh, on top of that, I'm excited to see what Matt Nagy can do with him under center. Uh, that one play to Jesse James was just a thing of beauty to watch up here from the press Box to completely open up uh completely fooled that defense and it was the easiest throw and catch i think i've ever seen from a chicago bears quarterback to a tight end in history uh that beats cutler to Olson, uh meets uh beats what or- orton to desmond clark i've never seen anything like that before
0: there was there was that one uh what was it against the buccaneers where mitch threw it to trey burton and trey burton like stumbled falling backwards in the end zone
1: I'm going to watch the all 22 because I still feel like Jesse James is more open uh, than You can put like a 15 yard radius circle around Jesse James and there's no one near him. Maybe it was the same for Burton. Maybe we'll, we'll check on it. I have to spot, double yes. check that. I appreciate you keeping me in line though, and making sure that I'm not, forgetting uh, some of these plays. But to get back to where I'm uh, going for my uh, two-minute warning here, I think we saw some good things from players that we're expecting to, uh, like a Cooler Herbert, like a Travis Gibson, even though things weren't always pretty for these guys, I believe they did show some of that promise, some of that poise. And as we continue to go through the preseason, uh, just seeing how some of these battles continue to unfold, no one won a job today. I don't think anyone lost a job today. It's still anybody's game. And now you're throwing in a veteran and Jason Peters in a mix for the offensive line. So things get really interesting here in Chicago with a couple more preseason games left and we'll find out how it all shakes out soon. But I think for this being the first preseason game, I think it checked all the boxes that I wanted it to. And then some, so real quick before we sign off, I just want to let grade for the game, how you thought it went. Cause we gave confidence meters heading in.
0: What kind of grade would you give this game in just terms of how it played out? Mason? So I think my confidence meter was around like a 6.2 or something of that nature. Um, The play of Justin Fields is really what would bump that up for me. So I would say as a team, as a whole, I'm right, right around a B okay um for the most part because uh, he was electric right there were a couple of really great plays the jesse james play uh one of them in particular. like i obviously i'm a big herbert fan so seeing what he brought to the table and the defense not breaking i don't love the bend but don't break but it's better than the alternative so with all of that being said and still the struggles there's uncertainty in the secondary uncertainty across that offensive line that's where i land on a b
1: all right nick how about you real quick you
2: know, I think I'll give this a B plus. The offense didn't have any turnovers, right? Not, and the defense was able to create two of themselves. Mm-hmm. They were they led in the the sack category as well. You saw what you wanted to see out of Justin Fields, even though it didn't like I said it didn't start the way you wanted to. So you saw really good, I think, pieces of what a complete game could look like in, in preseason, right. in preseason standards. So I'll give it a B B+. All
1: right, B+. I think I'll fall right around with you there, the B+. Uh, a little bit more than Mason. Uh, Just for all the reasons we talked about through the show, we're already at the hour mark. I'm sure they're going to want us out of this room here Uh, any minute. We already had someone kind of checking in us here through the door. Uh, So I'm going to call this an episode and our first post game show of the season. I want to thank everyone here who is watching live. Plenty of you here. Uh, Sorry we didn't really have the live chat up too much. I know Nick's computer's been fighting with the internet, uh, seems like, for a little while now. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that Bear's Wi-Fi saying, hey, get out of yeah. here. You
2: guys have been here for too long. Wrap
1: it up. So, uh, Appreciate everyone being here. Uh, if you want to give us a donation real quick, by the way, uh, you can find us on Venmo at the Chicago Audible uh, or PayPal, www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Uh, you can help me get some gas money for my way home. Uh, I drove five hours <laughs> here. I'm driving five hours back. Buy me some dinner. I'm going to be hungry in the drive. I'm sure Nick's hungry and Mason is here as well. Just a thought. I uh, Just wanted to throw it out there. But if 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 you haven't yet, rate and review our show over on Apple Podcasts. Those really do go a long way, helping us find more sponsorships and reach uh, more Bears fans like you and like us. Again, the Bears beat the Miami Dolphins by the final score of 17-13 to on the back of Justin Fields, who orchestrated three straight scoring drives between the end of the second quarter and into the third quarter. Uh, So that's going to do it. We'll be back next. Nick, you're going to be back next with the podcast report from – camp right
2: yeah so i should be there for i think every single day next week i, I do start work but we'll see how that all plays out and i'm it's usually pretty flexible so
1: i should work out all right flexibility is key uh so keep a lookout for nick's update from bears camp next week but until then bear down chicago <laughs>